0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: For those of us that are not at a place where we can engage in the spiritual battle, as far as the church goes, we're not really counting for anything. If you can't be a part of the battle, if you're not praying, you're not teaching, if you're not evangelizing, you're not in some way engaged in the war, then, in a sense, my spiritual life isn't counting. I'm just there, and so I'm encouraging us that none of us would just be there, but that we would make sure we're counting. If you're saved and God has apprehended you, then you gotta be a part of what he's doing.
0: As believers and followers of Christ, it can be hard to find application from books like Leviticus or Numbers. However, as Pastor Bill will discuss in his message today, the book of Numbers actually speaks directly to the effectiveness in the kingdom In his study, he'll encourage you to reflect on your walk and whether or not you can be numbered with those on the front lines. Whether it's teaching, ministry, or prayer, you'll learn that there are several ways you can number yourself among the ranks. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter one for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: We're making our way through the Old Testament. On Thursday nights, we covered Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, And uh, for you guys that that, that hung in there for Leviticus, I hope you were blessed. It was a it was a blessed challenge, but it was good. And um, now we're going to begin the book of Numbers. And so I'm going to give a little bit of an introduction to Numbers and then we're going to jump right in to chapter one. So uh, first of all, Numbers, we're kind of continuing through the life of Moses and his ministry and the things that God was doing in him through this time. Uh, The book of Numbers gets its name for this reason um, twice, in chapter 1 and later on in chapter 26. God is going to call for a numbering of the children of Israel. They're going to be numbered by tribes. And so that's why we get the name, the book of Numbers. God's into numbers. God's counting them. He wants to know how many of them are from each tribe, you know, represented. So again, in chapter 1, there's going to be a counting. I don't want to kill you guys with the enunciation or lack thereof of all the names. And so I've broken it into chunks. I'm going to be, it's going to suffice for me to tell you, each tribe had this many thousand people. And if you're interested in the enunciation of these words, I'm going to encourage you to do your own personal study, but they're going to number the people and count them. And it's specific. The reason why they're being counted, they're being counted because now that they've, they've the initial movement of Israel was to get them out of bondage. They got out of bondage. Then it was to get them to Mount Sinai where they received the law and they received the the word of God. They received instruction from God, how to walk with him, how to, how to, how to be right in the sight of a holy God. They received that instruction. And now in numbers, you know, we're going to see that they're going to be being instructed. God was taking his people. somewhere. the children of Israel, where were they supposed to be getting to? Promised, Promised land. land. So Now, you know, they got they got to the mountain Sinai. They got the law. Now y'all got to go. Now y'all got to go do something. Now you guys got to get where I'm trying to take you. And so um, before you take ground in the kingdom of God, there's war and there's battles. And so interestingly enough, as they're counted in this chapter, God's only interested in this. I want to count of the men 20 and over that are able to go to war. This isn't chauvinism. God ain't against the women. He's not against old men. But God says we're getting ready to we're going to go take ground. I need men, ages 20 and up, that are able to go to war. You're not able to go to war, you don't count. And this was a meditative thought I had earlier, right? If you can't go to war, he didn't count you. And this is just in the way of application for us. And this applies to men and women and children alike. For those of us that are not at a place where we can engage in the spiritual battle, as far as the church goes, we're not really counting for anything. If you can't be a part of the battle, if you're not praying, you're not teaching, if you're not evangelizing, if you're not in some way engaged in the war, then in a sense, my spiritual life isn't counting. I'm just there. And so I'm encouraging us that none of us would just be there, but that we would make sure we're counting. We, if you're saved and God has apprehended you, then you got to be a part of what he's doing. We got to be involved in what God is doing. And so, all right, so... We want to be involved in that way. So once in chapter one, they're counted later on. 39 years later in chapter 26, they're going to be counted um, on the plains of Moab. Most of this book tells of the years. I'm sorry. That Israel spent wandering around in the wilderness. How many years did they spend wandering in the wilderness? 40. How many days journey was it supposed to be? 11 days, right? They spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness for an 11 day journey and just let that sink in god was taking them somewhere that um would have took them 11 days 11 days to get from here to where god was taking them they ended up wandering around for 40 years and you're going to see that a good majority of them don't get to go in and what we're going to learn through the book of numbers is how not to get stuck so if you find that in your walk with the lord you're stuck you've been wandering in the same little circle you're not getting anywhere, you're not having victory, you're not moving forward, you're just going in the same circle. Get, you know. I recommit myself, I do a little better, I fall back in, I do a little better, I get back in. If you're in this, we're going to learn in the book of Numbers how not to be stuck there. Because they get stuck for 40 years wandering around in circles It's something that should have took them 11 days. And then the day, they don't even get to be the ones that go. We're going to have to finish Numbers. Um, we get way later on to Joshua. Joshua is going to be the one that actually begins to take them in. They'll get there. They're going to get in there. But quite a few of them are not going to get to make it in the number two reasons why they don't go in unbelief and disobedience. Unbelief. This is why I won't believe God and I won't obey God. We find in Hebrews that unbelief and disobedience are actually linked. Um, it's when you don't believe that you won't obey. I don't believe I don't, I don't believe God knows what he's talking about. So I'm going to do it my way. Um, so this dis- unbelief is linked closely to disobedience. Faith is closely linked to obedience. And both of those are linked to blessing. And we want to be people that believe, obey, that we might enjoy the blessing of the Lord. So moving on, it says, uh, well, it says we haven't started yet, but we may have uh, momentary, you know, spells where we're wandering in dryness and wandering and just, you know, kind of, we may have times in our life where they're like wilderness experiences here and there. But it's not somewhere where we want to be stuck. And something else we're going to learn is in the midst of the wilderness. What, what do you do if you're in a dry season? If you say, man, I'm, it's just dry. It's like I'm hearing a lot, not a lot going on. Um, what do I do in those times? We'll learn about that as we go through the book of Numbers. Um, there's lessons that we're going to learn just how to navigate the wilderness. And we'll, we'll see that right when we start verse one. Um, the children of Israel, like I told you guys, they turned an 11-day journey. Into a 40-year desert wandering, di- unbelief, and disobedience. And the last thing before we jump right in, the Book of Numbers is also called by some the book of murmuring. And we're gonna see why as we go through the book, that there's a whole lot of murmuring and complaining. And one thing that you find, when you get a you get a disobedient Christian, you'll find someone that got a lot to complain about. You find you a believer that's believing God, trusting God, they get they could be you have two, they could be in the same s- scenario. But they got a different outlook you get a believer that's walking with the lord trusting the lord get his car crashed man all things working together for the good of those love god i don't know why it happened god know why it happened i praise god nobody got hurt you know and there's a different outlook you get somebody over here that ain't walking ain't believing car get crashed man if god loved me he wouldn't let that i mean i was trying to go to church i mean they got a murmuring complaining mess which one are you check yourself out right um, they, so some people call Numbers a book of murmuring because they're going to murmur and complain all the way through just because they wouldn't trust and believe God and receive what he had for them. Look at chapter one, verse one. Numbers, it says, now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt saying. And uh, I want to just point this out. It, it says the Lord spoke to Moses and I just want to point out, they're all in the wilderness, but it says the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, but he was in the tabernacle of meeting. And one thing I would encourage us in a wilderness season, if things seem dry, you make sure you make your way to the tabernacle of meeting. For them in that time, in that culture, the tabernacle of meeting, that was the thing that God had them erect where God said, this is where we're going to do business with me. This is where sacrifices go forth. This is where prayers are offered. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. This is where the presence of God dwelt. This is where those that were seeking God and dealing with the Lord, this is where they would come. For you and I today, there's no place, you know, per se. Um, We we gather together like this for corporate worship at at church and Bible study. Uh, We fellowship one with another. Um, But we want to make sure that we are making our way to the place of worship. That God, I want to be where you are. I want to be where your people are. I want to, I want to meet with you. And I want, to, I want to gather corporately with your people. So Moses made his way there. It was what he did in an ongoing way. He went to the tabernacle of men there. The Lord spoke to him. And I would just say this, because I've seen people that are discouraged in their walk and maybe going through a tough time. And what happens with people get in a place like that, people start to pull away. I don't want to go. And how am I going to go to fellowship? And it could either be your flesh or it could be the enemy, one of the two, that can discourage you out of going to the place where you can hear from the Lord, where the word is going to be going forth, um, where you could be encouraged and strengthened and built up. And so we want to be careful that we make it our business. God, I, need, I need to be in fellowship. Everybody here tonight, whatever you had going on today, whatever your day was like, whatever hustle you had to do when you got home from work and everything else, you made it out. And I pray the Lord does meet us every time we gather like this, that He would just be present with us and speak to our hearts and encourage us. And, God, that's what I want to do. I, I, in Psalm 73, um, you don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 73, the, the psalmist talks about a time where he was discouraged. Uh, it, it, you know, I don't want to read it, but it says that he was, he was looking at the wicked around him and how they prospered. He so, said, man, everything's going right for them. Anybody feel like that before? You look at those that ain't walking with God and they got new cars. They just looked like everything going really, really, really good for them. They just, they smiled bigger. They, they got extra, you know, and he said, I was looking at the wicked. He said, there's no pain in their death. I mean, they just looked like they got it going on. And he was really stumbled over this. But it all changed. And it's in Psalm 73, verse 17. It says, until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord, then I understood their end. And so what happened was nothing changed but his perspective. He said, when I got into the sanctuary of God, I got reminded that it's not going to end well for them. I got reminded of their end. I might be rough for me right now, but heaven is my home. But I, but notice when that took place, when he was in the sanctuary of the Lord. And so we do look. I encourage, I mean, people come to church, bring a Bible, bring a notebook, expect to meet with the Lord, expect to hear from God. Come with an expectation. God, I'm going. Your word is going to be ready. It don't matter who's preaching. God's word is going to be gone through. We're going to read through the word of God. It's living. It's powerful. Come expecting God to speak to you. Um, come with something to write with. If you, if you go to class, if you're a student, and you go to class with nothing to take notes, you look like a bad student. You look like you didn't really go to learn. You ain't really interested in the subject matter, and you wish they had shut up so you can go home. That's what you look like. You go with no book and no notebook. Um, so when people come to church with no book and no notebook, you got a Bible? No. You got something to take notes? No. What you here for? <laughs> no, nah, man, you're here without a Bible. No, but don't, don't feel like I'm beating up on you. But we ought to come saying, God, I'm looking for you to speak to me. And when you do, I'm, I'm going to record it. I'm going to write it out, type it in my phone. I do whatever I got to do, but I want to hear from you. And So he meets with the Lord there and in the tabernacle and God is going to speak with him. God's going to give him instruction um, what he needs to do. So now, again, verse one, now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of meeting on the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, take a census of the congregation of the children of Israel by their families, by their father's houses, according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above all who are able to go to war in Israel, you and Aaron shall number them by um, number them by their armies. So this is a census that God has called for. Now there have been times in the word where people took a sentence and they got disciplined for it. If you guys remember David counted the people but his counting the people is a little different. It's in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 verse 1 it says Satan moved against Israel. He tempted David to sent, to count the people. What was wrong? Why was it wrong then and right now? Because God wasn't the one telling David, count the people. David was being tempted to count the people to see how strong they were. How, how ready are we for the battles that are coming? Do we have enough people? He was moved by the enemy to count the people. And so this is something important for us, right? When God calls you to do something, God doesn't want you looking at your resources before you move out. But that's what we do in the natural. I feel like God's calling me to do this. Let me see if I can afford it. Let me see if I if afford it. Can, can somehow get this going and God is him, if I said do it, just, just start moving, right? God's calling is God's enabling. If God's called you to do something, all you got to do is take, you know, start walking and the Lord will lay out and provide all the things that are necessary as you move forward. Um, but what we do in our natural minds is we say, well, God called me to do this. Now, let me evaluate the situation. Any accountants here? Let me crunch the numbers. Uh, let me see if this works out. Let me check schedules. Let me see, let me see if I can make it fit. And that's what was wrong with what David did. God didn't tell him number the people. He looked out and said, let me do this. And it says that Satan moved him to do it. This scenario here is different. God has told Moses, I want you to number the people. And um, it's important to note, it was the Israelite men, 20 and up, that, that that are ready to go to war, that can go to battle. And I think there's a few important lessons in that. One, God is picking out head of household. Um, the men. And there's going to be, you know, there's 12 tribes of Israel. And these are the sons of uh, Jacob, who God later renamed Israel. He went from being Jacob, which means heel catcher or conniver, to being Israel, which means governed by God after some severe breaking that God did in his life. But it was his sons that would make up the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph, Um, you know, this is kind of how it breaks down. So we'll see it later on. There's 12 tribes. Levi was a tribe. Levi is taken out of the count because God's got a different plan for Levi. So Joseph has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. That's how we still end up with 12, even though Levi doesn't count. And that'll make sense later on. But that's where we get the 12 tribes from. And so from each son of Jacob or Israel, they're looking at this son's children and saying, all right, we need, we, need to, we need to count all the men 20 and up from each tribe, see how many they are. There's quite a few guys from each one, but there's going to be one person picked out as a representative for the tribe, one man of all the group. And we'll come to that in a little bit. Um, but first of all, why men? Why age 20 and up? Um, you know, we, we were, I was looking at this and just considering, you know, in our culture today, we have an age where kids can be considered grown. I don't, I don't necessarily agree that there's a number where somebody be, can be considered grown. But, you know, for what that's worth, I would say you can count a man grown when he can do what? He can make his own way. You go get your own cave. You get your own place. You get your own, you know, when, when you can make your own way, you're grown. If you're 30 and you live with mama and you eat mama's food, I love you, but if you, if that's, you, you, you don't get to be grown. You don't get to be, um. you know, it, it's not working there. But anyway, in, in this era here, 20 and up, able to go to war, they were interested in account of these men. Um, why women didn't go to war. So, uh, it's not, again, this isn't a chauvinistic thing. Women didn't go to battle. Uh, I agree. I, I have a hard time, even now, when I see women in army uniforms. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I, be, I just I got daughters, so I just look at them and I think, hey, man, she, she, she put a dress on her, man, you know, but, I mean, I guess there's, there's jobs they can do. I know we have, I, I'm seeing some pretty, you know, amazing people, but um, the women didn't go to war back here. The men went and men of a certain age. They didn't send the very old men because they could be made vulnerable. Um, they didn't send guys that were too young, maybe because they haven't had time to make families and get going. 20 and up was the age that was set aside and they wanted men that could go. And this is how they were divvied up in the last part of verse three. It says all who are able to go to war in Israel, you and Aaron shall number them by their armies. So. This would be an impact that it was having on the children of Israel as they're coming through numbering the families. Everybody knows they're numbering. We just want the men that can go to war. Everybody's getting prepared in the mindset of war. We haven't lived. I've heard of eras where people had to go. You know, they had to get up and go to war. If you were of a certain age, um, you just had to go. What do they call that? We'll
0: What's
1: that again. So, OK, I don't know what they call it, but when they basically come and say, how do you? you go you to know. war? I don't want to go to war, mama. You're going to war. Drafted, drafted. Oh, a draft. There it is. There it is. The Draft. You ain't, you ain't asked to be drafted, but they drafted you. So, um, you know, we, I've never lived through that. I've only heard of it from the, you know, people before me. Um, but that's kind of what it's like here. As they're drafting, everybody knows. Little Jimmy's getting ready. Jimmy's able. He just turned 20 this year. Jimmy's ready for war. You know, the kids are, the whole family, everybody knows, man, we're getting ready. The mindset of we're getting ready to go take some stuff. We're getting ready to go to war. These are the men that are going to go. That was being generated. The whole, the whole camp of Israel had men in their family that were being set aside for this battle. And again, I would just in the way of application say, I think it's important and not just the men, I think in our families, we want to look at each of us that are in, that have families that are, especially if you're head of household, or responsible for families that Man, are there people in our families that are that do our families know the Lord? Are there people in our families that can do battle? Um, Are we are we part of it? Are we would we be numbered? Would we be counted? Would I be someone that could be counted on to go do not physical battle, spiritual battle? Um, Because many of you look in the Old Testament, and many of the, the, the physical wars. We don't war like that anymore. Right. When you come to the New Testament, you know, God's not telling me to go kill Amalekites like he told David or he told Saul. For us in the New Testament, God says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, fleshly, but they're mighty in God. They're pulling down strongholds. I'm not fighting with folks. We're fighting in the spirit realm. So there's principalities and powers and, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And that's what we're up against. And so as we look to make uh, just comparison, just keep those things in mind. We're, we're fighting a completely different war now. And sometimes we get tricked up trying to fight a, a, a fleshly battle. Some of us are going to war with people. And you're battling with people, and God's like, it's not about him. We, we, we war with principalities and powers. Quit slapping him. You know, we, we go into war in the spirit realm. Quit arguing with them. They're just people. The, the war, you need to get on your knees. The war is happening in another realm. And sometimes we can lose sight of that because we live in this fleshy realm. And the stuff's happening in the flesh around us. And God's like, you got to step out of it sometimes. Remember, I'm a spiritual being, and I'm in a spiritual battle. And I got spiritual resources and I, I need to I need to I need to remember that. So um, so that, that's what they're being called to do here. They're being set aside by their armies. And one last thing I would point out is that it was kind of like as they were being numbered. It's like taking an inventory of what you have. Um, if you, you know, work in some kind of retail every once in a while, you take inventory of what's there. What do you have? Um, they were taking inventory of what we have to work with as we go out because God told them to. I think that it's important for us as believers that we take spiritual inventory. I think sometimes people are losing battles and failing in their walk with the Lord because they haven't taken an honest inventory of where they are. Um, Sometimes people overestimate themselves. Sometimes people underestimate themselves and their spiritual resources. And so we want to be careful to take honest inventory. I've talked to people that are just struggling they're 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 being beat they're losing in the spiritual war and you talk to them and they're like i'm everything's great it's them so like, that's not an honest inventory you're doing bad you in the flesh you you cutting up you know we we want to take honest inventory and this is what happens right if i could be honest about where i'm failing then i'm in a position to get help and to go forward if i say no nah, you know my walk is okay but I, i'm i'm weak in prayer, And I'm weak over here and and i be getting in the flesh and my language ain't right. And this is where I need help at. Well, now, as I'm honest about that stuff, I can really begin to get help. But if I'm not honest, right, if all that's true, but I'm over here saying I'm good. I'm not I'm not what I used to be. Not taking honest inventory. I'm going to continue to fail instead of getting better. So it is a healthy thing to take honest inventory of where we are spiritually that God can have access. God work on me. I, don't know. I know I'm a work in progress, and I, these are the things I need help with. Look at verse 4. It says, and when you and with you there shall be a man from every tribe, each one the head of his father's house. So once you get this tribe, so say the tribe of Reuben or the tribe of Gad or the tribe of once you get the tribe and you get all the thousands of men that are 20 and older, age for war, God said, Of all those men, I need one guy that's going to be the representative of the tribe. He'll be like the governor for the tribe of Reuben, the governor for the tribe. I need one guy. And again, I look at that and I think, wow, how cool would it be to be that guy? What what would it take to be that guy? Where they would look and say, that guy right there. I need that guy. He's going to govern this group. He's going to be over this group. And just one guy uh, is going to be the head of his father's house. And he's getting ready to go through the names. And I would point this out because it's a real weakness in our culture right now. When I look through the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, and I look at where God was doing a real move of his spirit, a real work of his spirit, there's, there, you always are able to find some men that are just completely sold out.
0: You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers. But there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them. But God remains faithful and true and looking out for his chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the Book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit calvaryenglewood.org. Again, that website is calvaryenglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.